Welcome. Please accept this invitation to join me as I ask, what do you think about... Hey, listener, what do you think about the Flintstones? You know, Yabba-dabba-doo and Wilma and all that. I dug the cartoon as a kid. It was one of those that always seemed to be running on television on weekday afternoons once school had let out for the day. But what if I told you something about that program that would blow your mind? I hope you're all sitting down for this. I'll give you a second to brace yourself before I lay this truth upon you. The Flintstones is not a cartoon depicting the antics of a couple of prehistoric buddies living in a society lost in the prehistoric mists of time. In reality, The Flintstones is a cartoon set in a post-apocalyptic civilization. Alright, have you recovered enough that I can continue? Good. Now, I must admit that this idea is not original to me. I first came across it a couple of weeks ago in an online article entitled Strange Things Viewers Didn't Realize About the Flintstones by Kelsey Barish. Then, after doing some digging, I found that Cracked writers Anthony Shabelli and Logan Trent also entertained this postulation. I am including a link to both of those pages in the credits in case you want to go ahead and check them out. Personally, I'm buying into the notion whole hog. Really, if you think about it, the fact was thrust in your face at the very beginning of each episode of the Flintstones. The freaking theme song lays it all out for us. Flintstones, meet the Flintstones, they're a modern Stone Age family. Did you catch it? They're the modern Stone Age family. Not the prehistoric Stone Age family or the primordial Stone Age family. Not even the primeval Stone Age family. The Flintstones, and the Rebels too, are examples of the goddamn modern Stone Age family. And what's the definition of modern? Well, according to m-w.com, modern is defined as follows. Modern, adjective, of, relating to, or characteristic of the present or the immediate past, contemporary, involving recent techniques, methods, or ideas, up-to-date, of, relating to, or having the characteristics of the present or most recent period of development of a language. And with all this shit going down right now between the Ukraine and Russia and the tendrils of that war reaching out to touch us all, nuclear annihilation is once again knocking on our doors. It's the apocalypse. Eager to usher an apocalypse into our contemporary, up-to-date world. You might say, Well, Jim, the theme goes on to state, they're a page right out of history. Well, yeah. That's the as-yet-unwritten, modern, post-apocalyptic history they're talking about there. You might proceed to strengthen your argument against me by saying, 
you left out some of the other elements of the definition of modern. Merriam-Webster adds, of, relating to, or characteristic of a period extending from a relevant remote past to a present time. So, that goes right against my uh, argument, right? We have often mentioned religion in various episodes of this podcast. Both John and I were brought up slash exposed to the Christian religion in different denominations. Uh, So we've mainly focused on that religion. And we both possess at least a working knowledge of Christianity, I would say. And using that working knowledge, I pose to you, listener, this question. When, approximately, did Christianity begin? Okay, I'm assuming most of you said in the first century A.D. or C.E., whichever you prefer. And I'll say, yeah, that's correct. Now, consider this. Was the first century A.D. or C.E. part of prehistory? And the answer is, no, it was not. Recorded history is believed to have started, what, approximately 5,000 or so years ago? At least as far as I know. So, you wonder, where are you going with this? It does have a point. But just remember, we've established that the Christian religion did not start in prehistory, but started within recorded history. Now, let me note here that Merriam-Webster defines the word church as this. Church, a building for public and especially Christian worship. So... In the era of prehistory, one would not have found churches or cathedrals. Those are Christian things. And Christianity began about 2,000 years ago, as we've established. Now, why did I go into all of that about the start of Christianity and the definition of church? Well, here's where we get to some of the meat of my argument. In season four, there was an episode entitled Groom Gloom. And in this episode, Fred dreams that his daughter Pebbles marries the newspaper boy Arnold, whom Fred despises and therefore wishes to stop the upcoming nuptials betwixt the two. A newspaper article in the dream reveals that Pebbles and Arnold are going to be married at, quote, the little church. Fred finds this structure, and it resembles a modern church, complete with, uh, you know, the bell steeple and all that good stuff. Well, unfortunately for Fred, the couple being married inside are not Pebbles and Arnold, so he has to continue his search for the eloping couple. Fred next enters a building that simply has church carved into its stone lintel. However, This is not the correct location either, for inside, Fred finds Barney and Betty renewing their own wedding vows. Okay, both of these structures were churches. That implies, per the definition of the word, that both were Christian edifices. Christianity, as we've already established, did not come along until well after the prehistoric period. Also, the background music playing during both of the wedding ceremonies interrupted by Fred was The Wedding March by Felix Mendelssohn, which was written in 1842 CE. 
So you have churches in the cartoon, which are buildings that were established within recorded history. And you have a song playing that was written in the period of recorded history. So this cannot be a prehistoric time. But if you're still not convinced, consider Season 4's Episode 2 offering, Fred Flintstone Woos Again, in which a practical joker leads Wilma and Fred to believe that their marriage was not legal. Twelve minutes and eight seconds into the episode, Barney says, I think you got left at the church, Fred. Church, once again, not a prehistoric building. It's a word for a structure that was created within recorded history. 17 minutes and 4 seconds in, Fred calls Dino Benedict Arnold when the dinosaur growls at him for knocking on the door of his own home. Benedict Arnold served as an officer in the American Continental Army before defecting to the British in the year 1780. He died June 14th, 1801. Please note that both of these dates happened in the Common Era or the Anno Domini Era, not some prehistoric epoch. Before we slip into a break, I have one last religion-related piece of evidence to present in making the case that the Flintstones are not a prehistorical cave folk, but rather post-apocalyptic cave people. And that evidence is the celebration of the Christian holiday of Christmas. If the society portrayed in the Flintstones is set in our history, rather our prehistorical history, Christ would not have been born previous to the temporal period of the setting. Would you not agree? With that in mind, Consider the Season 5, Episode 15 installment entitled Christmas Flintstone, which aired December 25, 1964. In this episode, Fred takes a part-time gig playing Santa Claus at Macy Rock's department store. On Christmas Eve, two of the real Santa's elves seek out Fred after Macy Rock's closing and inform him that Santa has fallen ill and can't make his annual run. The two ask Fred if he would take Santa's place and deliver all of the Christmas presents around the world. Alright, they're celebrating Christmas in the Flintstones timeline. A holiday based on the birth of Jesus Christ, who was born between 6 BCE and 6 CE maybe as early as 12 BCE, if Halley's Comet was the Christmas star. Uh, actually, that should have been pronounced Halley's Comet. These are facts we established in our own Christmas special last season. Each and every date within that 12-year or potentially 18-year span falls within our recorded history. Any celebration of Christmas would have had to fall outside of that span, and therefore any celebration of Christmas falls within our recorded history, not within some prehistoric era. And that was not the only time the Flintstones celebrated this Christian holiday. A Flintstone Christmas aired on the NBC network on December 7, 1977, 
A Flintstone Family Christmas aired on the ABC network on December 18, 1993. And lastly, A Flintstone's Christmas Carol aired on ABC on November 21, 1994. This episode presents three proofs that the animated series occurs in a post-apocalyptic setting. First, the obvious tie-in with Christmas, which we've already discussed. Second, Charles Dickens penned A Christmas Carol in 1843, so any reenactment of that story would have to have happened after that date. Thirdly, the animal hide clothing of the characters was obviously based on the style of the Victorian era, which took place from June 20th, 1837 until January 22nd, 1901. So, similar to the uh, case with reenactments of A Christmas Carol, any clothing modeled on the Victorian era would have had to have taken place after the Victorian era's passing. Okay, I have to mop my brow and take a drink. So let's pause a minute for a word about Anchor Podcasting. And we're back. A large portion of the Flintstones' humor relies on the fact that while they're living in a Stone Age, they have all the perks of a modern society. Examples are automobiles, which are powered by their feet rather than combustion engines, cranes, such as the one Fred uses at work in the gravel pit that incorporates the use of a brontosaurus, Instant cameras utilizing sharp-beaked birds that chisel out photographs. Bird beaks are also used as phonograph needles, by the way. Mammoth-powered vacuum cleaners. Garbage disposals powered by pigasauruses. Airplanes that consist of enormous hollowed logs atop flapping pterodactyls. They also had airplanes powered by pedaling passengers and pilots. Now, prehistoric man did not have this kind of shit. If they had, we'd have found some sort of evidence in the fossil record by now. Rather, this gadgetry is a recreation of the dimly remembered pre-apocalypse technology. The fact that this apocalypse has not yet taken place in our timeline explains why the evidence has not been found in our fossil record. The fact that they use animals for their mechanisms and power sources might be explained by one of the following. They haven't yet been able to recreate electrical or nuclear power sources, or they purposely eschew the use of electrical or nuclear power because they don't want to repeat the worldwide destruction wrought by their ancestors who lived in a world driven by these energy sources. Moving on to another clue. Listener, would you agree that rock and roll officially began sometime in the early 1950s after Alan Freed applied the old blues euphemism for sexual intercourse to the emergent music? All right, I can't hear your replies, but I'm sure you all have agreed. Well, rock and roll music featured prominently in the Flintstones. A character named Rock Roll, an obvious Elvis Presley knockoff, 
appeared in Season 2. In Season 5, the Flintstones, the Rubbles, and their Adams family-like neighbors, the Gruesomes, play bug music, which parodies She Loves You by the Beatles. The Way Outs show up in Season 6 as members of a rock quartet who all look identical, which just now calls to mind the fact that they might be clones, a technology not existing in prehistory. Again in Season 6, a rock group called the Bow Brummelstones appears in the episode entitled Shinrock Agogo. This band was based on the 1960s group called the Bo Brummels, who sang the hits Laugh Laugh and Just a Little. Now, those who don't agree with this theory might ask, So why are there dinosaurs and prehistoric mammals seen in the Flintstones? Well, I'm glad you asked, because you've brought me to clue number six in the list of evidence supporting the fact that the Flintstones and Rubbles live in a post-apocalyptic world, and that is the fauna of the Flintstones timeline. Contrary to the way-out beliefs of some contemporary individuals, dinosaurs and human beings did not coexist. The hell they didn't! Currently, science estimates that 65 million years separated humankind and the dinosaurs. That means that the animals we're seeing in the Flintstones are possibly mutations. Many of the animals powering the appliances break the fourth wall and speak directly to the audience, usually uttering something like, It's a living. These creatures do not merely repeat phrases or words like a parakeet. They speak intelligently. Dino himself frequently speaks, usually mumbling under his breath. However, Dino speaks in a cultured tone in the episode in which Fred originally acquired the dinosaur. That episode was The Snorkosaurus Hunter from Season 1, Episode 18. None of the dinosaurs depicted seem to represent dinosaurs known today in a 100% accurate recreation. Evidently, the mutations, whether accidental or deliberate, caused devolution to similar pre-existing creatures. However, aberrations from the original stock exist. Namely, mammals converted to reptiles, such as the Camelsaurus or the Hopperoo, or entirely new species, such as the Horrorsaurus. To learn more concerning the idea of deliberate reintroduction of extinct species into a world, check out Gene Wolfe's excellent tetralogy, Book of the New Sun. There's also geographic and historical evidence pointing to the fact that the Flintstones came after our time. The very names used for various locales indicate that they are trying to restore a lost past. Holly Rock is their version of Hollywood. Rock Vegas is Las Vegas. And other examples include Texarock for Texas, Mexirock for Mexico, Washington, D.C., Honolulu Rock, 
and Rocapulco. All of these names are derived from places from our fairly recent history, which would be the future for the Flintstones if it were set in the past. But how could these locations have been named for sites that did not yet exist in prehistory? You might say, Perhaps all these places were merely reestablished in our own time from their prehistoric origins. And we, in our modern time, simply reuse the historic names in slightly varied forms. Well, I say that's just crazy talk. So, if you accept this premise, as well you should since it's all proven facts by this point in the podcast, you might wonder just what the apocalypse was that drove the civilizations of Earth back into another Stone Age. Well, I think the Flintstones provides that information. Here are my thoughts on the topic. For those of you who watched the Flintstones, do you remember the Great Gazoo? He was a tiny green alien who possessed magic. And... What is Arthur C. Clarke's definition of magic? Any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. So, Gazoo isn't really magic. He just has access to a highly advanced technological knowledge. Gazoo was exiled to Earth as punishment for having invented a doomsday machine that could destroy the whole universe. Well. What if Gazoo had actually tested his invention on Earth? Maybe this test is what caused the doomsday that drove Earth's inhabitants back to a Stone Age existence. Furthermore, since he's the one who fucked up the planet, maybe that's why Gazoo was exiled to Earth, so he could view and experience his fuckery firsthand. So... Have I convinced you? Do you now agree with me that the Flintstones does not depict the adventures of two prehistoric couples, but rather portrays the lives of two couples living in a post-apocalypse? Personally, I don't think it can be denied, because there are indicators throughout the series. Subtle, yes. Camouflaged, yes. But they are there, and not as a one-time inside joke, but rather part of the characters' daily lives as I have clearly illustrated throughout this episode. And if you think this idea was way out there, just wait until next week when I convince you that the Jetsons cartoon series is not set in the distant future, but is actually set in the far distant past. Nah, just fucking with you. This has been What Do You Think About? Our theme music, In Suspense, is provided by podsummit.com. Thanks to all of you listeners. If you feel compelled to reach out to us before we drop out of your lives forever, send us a message at wdouta at gmail.com or visit the website anchor.fm forward slash wdouta and leave us a voice message. 
or just go to our Facebook page, anchor.fm forward slash W-D-O-U-T-A and message us there. Copyright 2022 by John Gordos and Jim Dugerman.